we're going to continue our series. This is week five in talking about how you are God's garden. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. This is kind of the foundational scripture of this series, You Are God's Garden. And it says this, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. That means you are God's garden. You are God's tilled field. You are God's building. And this is talking about the completed work, which is the work of salvation. You're God's garden. God, he has given you a spirit that is designed for the word of God to be planted in it and grow things. So here's the thing. We've talked a lot about this. want to encourage you. Go over these, these different ones, uh, the different messages. Outline them. Outline them in your Bible. Because these, this is a necessary thing to help people grow in the Lord and as you disciple people. And you all need to get very ready. Because what happens if 2,000 people get saved at Faith Family Church? Every time I drive to this church, I expect gridlock. And I'm going to see it one day. Where I'm going to have to pull over and park in somebody's driveway and just go up to their house and say, hey, I passed through that church down the street. Can I park here because I can't get there? Because of all the people. Get ready for that. Because this is the time we're living in. Amen? God is able to give increase to that which you keep first place in your life. So if I keep his word first place, that's when he's able to give increase. Remember the parable of the sower? We talked a lot about that. How you esteem God's word determines how it works for you, how it works in you. This is so, so very important. Remember the parable of the sower. There's four different types of ground. The same seed is sown in every ground, but out of the four grounds, it only produced in one ground. It didn't produce in wayside ground, right? Didn't produce in stony ground. Didn't produce in thorny ground. And in thorny ground, it was interesting, we went from wayside ground which Satan comes immediately and makes the person doubt. Then you have stony ground. Because the person didn't water the word of God, how do we water it with our mouth, right? We meditate in it day and night. If we didn't, if we didn't water the, the seed that was sown, we become stony ground, and Satan is able to come take that word out of our hearts. How does he do it? He makes us doubt it. Have you ever been believing God for anything? Like healing, especially. Have you, ever, have you ever been believing God? We're going to really talk a lot about healing tonight. Um, when your body's hurting and, and, you're, and you feel weak and you're, you're speaking the word of God, so many times what's going on in your mind? It just gets confusing, doesn't it? And then all of a sudden you jump down in your spirit and you're like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This has nothing to do with how I feel. It has nothing to do with what I'm seeing. Does, is that right? Because here is how I live. If God said it, then that is it. In the same way when he said light be and it's still going, in the same way when he said be healed, yes sir. Right? So, so this is what's amazing about the word of God is you keep 
keep it in the midst of your heart, as you keep it coming out of your mouth, as you always keep it before your eyes, it becomes very simple. I'm no longer moved by what I see or feel. I already know the end result of this thing, and I'll never be moved. This is, this is what happens. See, how do I stay there? Because I'm not wayside ground and I'm not stony ground. I'm going to constantly care for the word that was planted in my heart. I'm going to water it with my mouth. I'm going to walk around all day. Father, I thank you. I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. I've been redeemed, according to Galatians 3.13, from the curse of poverty and lack. Father, I thank you that you sent your word and healed me. I constantly water the word so Satan can never make me doubt the word. And this is what happens as I'm watering and caring for this because I understand that my spirit grows things. What happens is all of a sudden healing grows. And over time it will eclipse whatever is coming against you. And pretty soon you will be observing yourself whole. Right? And then you'll get to the point where you're fully, fully, fully persuaded that what God's word said is true. That's true for your healing. That's true for a house. That's true for debt cancellation. That's true to be free from any addiction, any sickness and disease, uh, depression, anxiety, anything. So then we jump over and there's a transition in this parable of the sower and it's, it's now thorny ground. And Satan's not taking thorny ground. He doesn't come, he's not making the person doubt it. It says the cares of this world, just caring about the things in this world, the deceitfulness of riches. See, riches are not bad, but the deceitfulness of them is bad. Because deceitfulness of riches will say, I don't have time to put God first because I have to work and I have to do this or I have to do that. The deceitfulness of riches or, you know, how much is enough? You know, it, it maybe it, it's never enough, right? The, the lusts of other things, which really means just simply the desire of other things. It says these three things enter in and choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful. They're like weeds in your garden. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust or the desire for other things. Listen, this, this is not just bad things. Satan's going to talk to you about your finances and, you know, listen, you need to care that you need to take care of your family. And it'll seem really good, but what he's trying to do is choke the word where you're no longer believing God to take care of your family. Does that make sense? The deceitfulness of riches. God is very clear. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. That literally means a full and overflowing supply. He wants you to have it. He just doesn't want you to ha it to have you. So the deceitfulness of riches, if I allow that in, it will choke the word and now I lose the ability to really receive from God because see, how I receive from God is I seek him first and all of it overtakes me. I'm never, I'm never seeking the blessing. It, here's the funny thing, if I'm sick, I'm never seeking the healing. 
I'm seeking him. I, everything. So here's the desire for other things. That could be good. It doesn't have to be evil. But if you're not led by the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden you're living out of your flesh, which can only produce death, you'll start having a desire for other things. The next thing you know, you'll be sitting at home going, you know, I haven't been in church, I haven't been in the Word in forever, and, and you've literally forgotten even who you are. You've forgotten the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. And guys, we don't realize it, but we, well, you, you, you do as you get older, but we are just flying through this little short time that we call our life on this earth. And we're here to yield all of our fruit in our season. And God wants us planted by rivers of water, right? He wants, he wants that garden inside of us to just be planted in the right place to where it's just being watered and taken care of. And now everything is not based on us. But then there's good ground. And it's only out of, out of the four grounds, only one of them produces good ground. And what is good ground? It's a person who has taken up the word of God and chooses to continue in it. I'm going to continue in the word. I'm not, just, I'm not just a hearer. I'm a doer. Does that make sense? I'm not just a hearer, but I'm a doer of the word. So very important. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55, we're going to look at verse 8. This is, a, this is how it's God explaining how the Word of God works now. Number one, guys, God's Word is true. Whatever He's promised you, if He said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, there's no gray area in that statement. Right? If He says, my Father always causes me to triumph, that, that whoever's born of him overcomes the world system. That's true in every case, right? There is no gray area. It doesn't matter what you see, right? It doesn't matter what things are looking like in your life. It's true. So Isaiah 55, 8, let's look at what God says about his word. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, in this whole verse, whenever you see the word thoughts, it's the Hebrew word for plans and purposes. He says, my plan and my purpose is not your plan and purpose. Neither are your ways my ways. God's very clear with that. Now, the Hebrew word, every time you see the word ways in this passage of Scripture, it literally means course of action. So he's saying here, neither are, is your course of action my course of action. In other words, the way that you would want to do things, is, it's not the way that I do things. Okay? So why is God saying this? Well, you could, from Genesis to maps, he's wanting us to let go of our ways, our plans, and embrace his I think he knows a little bit more than we do, right? So let's keep going with this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And now he's going to start explaining something. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, 
but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, now, now notice, even in the natural, that it brings forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower. Now, doesn't that make total sense? Could you imagine a farmer going out to his field at harvest and going, why is there no crop? Because that crop would not be giving seed to the sower. Why? Because he didn't sow anything. See, this is why God can only give seed to the sower. Because nothing's growing. There's nothing to grow because there's no seed. Boy, if people could get a revelation of that, they'd never have a problem honoring God in their finances. Because they'd realize, oh, because see, when you plant one corn seed, how much grows up? A lot more than a whole stalk, which has what, is it two ears? Two or three ears? A lot, I mean, that's like a, a big return. So that's the way it works. So now he goes, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. What is his word? His word is a seed, right? See, his word, his word by his stripes you are healed. It'll bring a much bigger harvest. You sow that in your heart and it'll bring a harvest of healing in your life I'll use, I'll use Kenneth Hagin, who's been with the Lord now for about 16 years. He was supposed to die at age 16 with a deformed heart and a blood disease. And at 16, he was at the point of death, but he lived into his 80s. And not only, not only did the Word of God produce healing in his body, but how many others have been healed? The yield on that is massive. That's the way it is in your life. God wants you free because that when you, when you plant that seed, whoever the Son has made free is indeed free. And you get a revelation of that and all of a sudden you walk free. Well, that's great. But now that seed will produce freedom in, in who knows how many people. Only eternity would tell. Do you see that? This is why you're God's garden. How you're going to yield all your fruit in your season. See, you have to plant something, otherwise you won't have any fruit. Does that make sense? See how it all ties together? So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. That means it shall not return unto me without power. In other words, the word of God, it cannot lose power. But isn't it amazing, it has no power to the person who puts their traditions first. The word of God, which is all-powerful, is choked by what? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. In other words, the word of God, it's all-powerful. It never loses power, but it can't produce anything in a heart that doesn't believe it. So I don't know about you. Well, I shouldn't say that. I know about you. We're, we're believers here, right? Big time. 
but it shall accomplish, my word shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper into the, in the thing whereunto I sent it. So we see that the word of God, it plants and it waters. So how does that work? I hear the word of God and it's planted in my heart and then I keep watering it and caring for it and watering it. I take care of it and it grows. God's word always accomplishes what God sent it to do. Now, let's look at that. It always accomplishes what God sends it to do. He sent his word and healed them. But is everybody healed? No. No. So, so see, what we have to see here is what God is saying. When I send my word, whatever I send it to do, it will do. Now, whether or not it does it for you is not up to God because he's already said, it, it'll, it'll do it for anybody. It's up to you. And this is why every false doctrine, if you ever heard something, here's a, here's a big false one. God heals some and not others. That's a false doctrine. You know why? Because it, you could always tell a false doctrine because it puts you in a passive position against Satan. If, if God heals some and not others, guess how many of us can have faith to be healed? None of us, right? If God saves some and not others, how many of us could be saved? We couldn't have faith to be saved. If God blesses some and not others, how, how many of us can believe God? See, the Bible says in the book of James it's impossible to receive anything from God apart from faith. And faith comes when you hear God's word. So I want you to see that. This is such good news. You can take the word of God. See, God already sent his word. You can take it and change anything in your life. It literally removes all the boundaries of your life. God sends his word from Isaiah 55, not only to accomplish things, but he sends his word so that we can know his plans and his purposes, which are his thoughts, and so that we can know his course of action. God wants you to know that his course of action for your healing might not be your course of action. His course of action for you financially, it's probably not going to be your course of action. Right? Because you'll think, wow, I'm really blessed because... I'm going to pay off my house in 15 years instead of 30. And God's going, you need to pay this off in two years because I, need, I have other things for you to do. Or I'm going to put it on your heart where you're going to, I want to want you to buy uh, you know, four or five villas so that you can have for some people that are learning how to get saved. And who knows what it is? We don't know. Except this, we know the Holy Spirit will show us. Psalm 107.20, I've said it several times. He sent his word and healed them. God heals through the agency of his word. It has nothing to do with how you feel or what you see. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for medical professionals. 
They can do all kinds of things. They can tell you exactly what's wrong with you. They can take stuff out. They could even put some other stuff in. But they can't heal you. But he is our healer. And if we feed on this, we can get to the point if we've had procedures before that has helped us, we can, we can recover fully and completely from those, and that's wonderful. But we'll get to the point as we keep our garden growing with health. See, a, a harvest of healing is great. Especially if you're sick, man, harvest of healing is wonderful. But God wants to move us beyond that where all the symptoms are gone, and now we need a harvest of health. Divine health, divine life, right? To be, I mean, won't it be nice? Think, I think about this. Won't it be nice in heaven to never have to think about your body? Do you know Brother Hagin used to say this when he was on, on the earth? He would tell us at Rhema, he's like, sometimes I go weeks, sometimes even months without even thinking about my body. He thought of himself as a spirit who lived in a body. See, we could have that here, but it doesn't happen automatically. We have to believe the word of God and allow it to be planted in our heart. Water it and let the word do the word's thing. We don't have to make this happen. Do you know the word of God will grow your identity so that you know who you are? Isn't that awesome? It's wonderful. You plant the seed you hear in your heart and you water the seed with your mouth. That's how we live. That's how we live. This is why we preach the word around here. The only thing we know about our future is the word will be preached in greater measure because we're all going to be growing. Your capacity to receive is going to grow. My capacity to receive is going to grow. My capacity to preach and minister the word, to get out of his way, is going to grow. The anointing, because we're faithful, is going to grow. Man, isn't it awesome? As good as this service is tonight, isn't it awesome? We know that the next one will be better. Amen. We just know that because of God. Hallelujah. So let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, I want to show you this example about God's garden in the life of the woman with the issue of blood. So I want to break this down a little bit for you. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now we know this is a woman that it's, this, is not, this is not just some parable. This is an actual story of an actual woman. You always know that in the Bible because it starts off and it says, and a certain woman. That means Jesus is talking about a certain woman which had an issue of blood. Now what this is, issue of blood, it meant that she had a problem in her body where her blood was hemorrhaging. So could you imagine if your blood was hemorrhaging and you were losing blood, you'd be weak, wouldn't you? Tired all the time, not wanting to get off the bed, right? I mean, this is a lady who just gets up after sleeping 12 hours and is wiped out. Why? Because her blood's hemorrhaging. How long did she have it? 12 years. So 
if you've ever had a condition for 12 years, I wonder if your, your perception of life would be completely engulfed by that. Right? So, so she saw herself this way. Always. Isn't that interesting? So now, and it says, and had suffered many things of many physicians. So this is a lady who literally was doing everything in the natural she can do. Is there anything wrong with doing stuff in the natural? Not at all. But this is a lady that was doing everything she could do in the natural. She was doing everything she could do to get better. But say, and it said this, had spent all that she had. So now picture her life. She spent all that she had. So, so what did that mean financially for her? She had nothing. Right? Who knows what kind of living conditions she was living in. She had spent everything that she had and was nothing bettered. So she didn't get better at all, but rather grew worse. So as she, for 12 years, she's wiped out, she's tired, she's depleting all the money that she has, but she's trying to get well. And while she's doing this for 12 years, not only is she not getting better, she's growing worse. This is the condition that the Word of God found her in. Hopeless, right? I mean, you're, you're, I want you to see this because with sickness and disease, you can, in a very short period of time, have you ever had the flu for four days? You start to sit here and go, man, am I ever going to get better? You know why you do that? Because Satan sits on your shoulder and throws thoughts and and he doesn't say, you don't say, am I ever going to get better? You hear, are you ever going to get better? But you don't realize it because you're sick. It's almost like somebody's talking to you. And he is. Don't put your eyes on natural things. You receive from God, how? According to your faith. You never receive from God according to what he can do, right? Because he can do anything. I mean, right now he's holding all the planets in orbit. I think he could fix your liver, your kidney, right? It's not a matter of what he can do. It's a matter of what you can believe. Again, this is not a no-fault religion. This is, you're the deciding vote. You can literally tonight say, I'm choosing to believe the God of the universe, I'm going to receive that, and you could change everything in your life. The Holy Spirit is the one that will lead you into this inheritance. You can't lead yourself into it. We, we, we have no ability. We, could, we can sit here for a thousand years and read, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I could read that for a thousand years, and if the Holy Spirit doesn't do this, if he doesn't open it, if he doesn't bring revelation to it, I'll never see it. If, see, this is God's word, and it contains healing. It contains his thoughts, his plan, his purpose for you, right? He sent his word and healed you. 
Well, I can literally say that over and over and over for a thousand years, but until the Holy Spirit down on the inside of me opens it up and light comes out, I would never see it. So how many of you see that? You see it. You need to know. You have great faith. You've heard the word. You believe the word. And what happens is he tries to distract the Christian. Now there's a lot of our brothers and sisters that never hear this. They'll go to churches and they'll hear this pastor that they trust tell them, God heals some and not others. And then they go and they're like, okay, I need healing. Father, I ask that you'd heal me in Jesus' name if it be your will. And that never works. Because it's not prayed according to God's will. But when you hear the word and you know that all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, you get real excited. Right? So this is for you tonight. Verse 27. And when she heard of Jesus, when she heard of Jesus, this is when the seed of the word of God was planted. When she heard of Jesus. This is how faith comes. This is why you'll always hear me talk to you about be really careful what you're hearing. Be careful how you hear because what you hear, how you hear, who you hear will determine what you believe. So she heard of Jesus. What did she hear? Well, she could have heard Malachi 4.2. Right? Malachi 4.2 says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. See, she heard of Jesus. This scripture, healing in his wings, the wings was the prayer shawl that they would wear. Whenever, whenever a priest would pray, they would put, they'd put it over their head and pray. When they were done, they'd put it over their shoulders. I have one in my office from Israel. And it has tassels on the bottom of it. He'll arise with healing in his wings. The wings was the prayer shawl. That's why she was trying to touch the hem of his garment. She wasn't on the ground trying to touch the hem of his pants. She was trying to touch the prayer shawl, the little tassels, because the word says she had to hear this. She had to hear it because she was like, man, if I could just touch that, I'll be made whole. Because when the son of righteousness arises, when he appears, he'll have healing in his wings. And she heard about all these people who were getting healed. She heard about power going out of him and healing them. So this is what she started to hear. So now, when she heard of Jesus, what did she do? She came in the press behind. You are always going to have to come in the press behind. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. And touched his garment. This word garment means his mantle. It literally means the place of the anointing. Isn't that amazing? Verse 28. Now it's going to bring clarity on how she did this. For she said. Now this is a continual action in the Greek. You could, re, you could say it this way. For she began to say continuously. 
What is she doing? She's watering the word that she heard. She heard of Jesus, and now she's continuously saying. So she's continuously watering the word. When she, now here's a big thing. For she said, when she heard something, then she said something. That's a big key, guys. When you meditate in the word, you will start hearing something and you'll start saying something. You see that? This is huge in faith. So when she heard something, she said something. See, when you confess God's word, you're making it personal. If you look at the parable of the sower, only the good ground was the only ground that made it personal. This word is not just for anybody. This word goes from being for everybody to being this word is for Tony Finley. He sent his word and healed me. Right? And delivered me from my destructions. See, it becomes very personable or very personal. In other words, faith speaks. Faith always speaks. If you're not speaking, it's not faith. If you want to call it faith, we'd have to name it what the Bible names it, demon faith. Right? Jesus said, listen, the demons believe, but they'll never act on it. They believe that Jesus is real and they tremble. There's many Christians who believe Jesus is God. And many of them think they're saved, but they're not saved because it's inactive faith. They're not doing anything. There's no change. There's no action. Does that make sense? So faith always speaks. What did she say? If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She kept saying that over and over. So she's coming in the press behind. She's tired. She's weak. She might be hungry because she has no money. Who knows what it is? And now all these people are around Jesus. He's coming into town and, and people are thronging Jesus. So they're, they're just coming in to see him. And she's pressing herself through. And she keeps saying, I mean, why is she saying it? Because she's like going, listen, I got to get to Jesus. She is fully persuaded. If I can touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And so she's coming in. She's pushing people out of the way. She's trying to get by people. She might fall down and then get back up. Who knows what she went through? She had to struggle. And oh, by the way, she had, a, she had an issue of blood. Her blood was hemorrhaging. So the leader of the synagogue would have, by, by law, proclaimed her unclean, which meant if she came in public, she could be stoned. So not only was she pressing, she was putting her life on the line because, oh, by the way, there was a, the ruler in her synagogue, Jairus, who was probably the one that pronounced her unclean, was standing right next to Jesus she didn't know it, but he's talking to her about his daughter. But you could imagine the enemy. You better stay away from there. 
Because if he sees you, he'll pronounce you unclean right there and they'll just stone you right on the spot. So she put her life on the line. She's, she's with no strength, with no anything. She's going, I have got to get to Jesus. Do you see how she's fully persuaded? And do you see how being fully persuaded, it wasn't just because of who she was, it was because she kept watering the word. That's what caused her to be fully persuaded. When you're fully persuaded, you'll speak the word. When, you'll fully, when you're fully persuaded, you will lay hold of the promise of God and you will never let it go, never let it go. No, it doesn't matter if it looks worse. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm holding on and there is no way that the word will not produce. It always produces. I love this story. She said this, verse 29, or this happened in verse 29. And straightway, or in other words, immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice, she didn't feel something until she believed something. Right? She didn't feel anything until she believed something. Oh, and what else? We forgot this one. And said something. I did that on purpose to try to, this is how important it is. So she didn't feel anything until she believed something and said something. Oh, by the way, she didn't feel anything until she heard something, believed something, and said something. I wonder if that sounds anything like Romans chapter 10. Right? It's exactly what it is. I love this. In other words, the woman's faith activated the power of God that was in his word. Her faith activated it. This woman put her life on the line, but she focused on what she planted in her heart and watered with her mouth. Her focus was not on herself. It was not on I could die here, whatever. It was on what? She was focused on what she planted in her heart and what she was watering with her mouth. Yours and my focus needs to be the word. Doesn't it say as we run our race, fixing our eyes on Jesus? What is the same way of saying that is fixing our eyes on the word of God. Numbers 14, 28. You don't have to turn there, but it says this. God says, say unto them, as truly as I live. This is an oracle of God. That means it's a never-ending law of God. Can't be changed, can't ever end. As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. If you, if you look at it in the Hebrew language, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I allow to you. You could translate it either way. Let's look at the New Testament version of that. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, says the same thing. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. 
Isn't that amazing? I love this part, shall not doubt in his heart. It's the Greek word diakrino. It's very specific. It literally means to differ or contend with. You gotta understand doubt is from, it comes from without. It's not internal. It feels internal because you, you feel like you're doubting. But it's external. It literally, this word diacrino means to render a judgment. It means to separate, to differ, to contend with. What it is, in other words, if you look outward, you're going to doubt. But if you look inward, if you look only at the word of God, you'll have what you say. So now let's look at Mark 5.30. Let's continue with the story. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? So here's Jesus. He's dealing with Jairus. He's walking. People are touching him. Thronging means they're touching him all over the place. Right? And all of a sudden, he knows that power just went out of him. And he says, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, I'm sure this is Peter, you see the multitude thronging you. This word thronging means to press you on all sides. See, only she touched him in faith. A lot of people were touching him, maybe trying, see if, they'd, see if something would happen. No, you don't try the word. The word tries you. The word never changes. It says that about Joseph. From the time he was taken into captivity until he was in the second place in Egypt, the word of God tried him. He's in jail. He's a slave. He's been done wrong. But yet, he chooses, I'm going to hang on to that promise that God gave me, God's word, that dream that I had. Who touched me looked around to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling... Being a lady, right, knowing what was done in her, did what? Came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Look at what Jesus said. He said to her, daughter. Why? Because she was a daughter of Abraham. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Wow. I love, I love the story of Brother Hagen when he came off the bed of sickness. You know, uh, he tells parts of it in a lot of different of his, of his teachings. Uh, our pastor in California, because he wasn't a talker, when Brother Hagen would want to drive somewhere, he'd always want our pastor to drive him because my, our pastor in California could feel very comfortable sitting for four or five hours not saying one word. And if Brother Hagen, if he didn't want to talk, he could feel comfortable just sitting there. So, but one day they were driving to Dallas about a four-hour drive. Brother Hagen pulled a letter out of his coat and was reading it. And it was about, hey, Brother Hagen, you know, what would you say to somebody who, not like you, you know, you were just healed right away. What would you say to somebody who has to stand for a long time for their healing? And Brother Hagen started for four hours to tell Mike the whole story. And he talked about how, you know, there was nobody to tell him that God was a healer. Pastors would come, lay their hands on him and say, you know, just 
Everything's going to be okay. You know, you're going you're gonna to leave this place and go to heaven soon, right? He asked his mom, you know, does God heal? She's like, honey, I don't know. But when he got to this verse and he read this story, the Lord spoke to him and said this, if her faith could make her whole, then your faith could make you whole, right? And that, that, that just went off on him. The word of God doesn't work because you believe it. You have to believe it and say it. You have to. She heard God's word and took it personally, so she was good ground, right? All these other grounds, stony ground, wayside ground, thorny ground, they don't take the word personally. Now, here's a big statement. This is something the Lord told me, I'll tell you. It's so simple, but it just goes off in me so much. The more you give yourself to hearing God's word on healing, the stronger the healing power of God that comes out of his word, the stronger it'll work in your body. The more you hear. So listen, if you're believing God for something physical, this is not the time probably to study about end time prophecy. Right? Now, you, you need to feed on healing. The more serious, the, the more you need to be feeding. Right? There's a lady, Marilyn Neubauer. She ministered here one Wednesday night. She's a phenomenal minister. Now, especially along the lines of healing because God raised her off a deathbed a couple times. She said the Lord would wake her up every hour to speak the word of God. She's like, you got to take your medicine constantly. Now, now remember, speaking at every hour is not going to get you healed. Right? Don't put your faith in speaking. Put your faith in God. Right? Here's a big one. Don't talk about your sickness or symptoms to people because people can't help you. And you, you, you spend all your time talking to people about what you're facing, you better be real careful because all of a sudden you're trying to believe God for something and you have 20 people everywhere you go asking you how you're feeling. And the last thing you need to talk about is how you're feeling. You need to talk about what you believe, Right? So we have sickness and poverty were against this woman. A crowd was blocking her from Jesus. A press of knowing that she could be stoned was against her. What is your press? Could it be doubt, fear, unbelief? Your past? We all have a press. Keep your eyes on the Lord and you'll go through the press. See, allow the press to press you into Jesus, not away from him. How do you do that? By feeding and watering the word of God. So, so very important. Amen?